Good morning, Crossroads Church. Well, first of all, I want to introduce myself because there's probably a lot of people here that don't know me. I am Wade Gilbert, and I'm going to be one of the leaders of the Celebrate Recovery program that's kicking off next, well, a week from tomorrow. Here at Crossroads Church is going to be at the Sea House on Monday nights at 6 o'clock. And since we're kicking it off, Rod wanted to do a, do a, a sermon series on that everybody hurts because everybody hurts, right? So we, he wanted me to get up here today and talk a little bit about Celebrate Recovery. And before you tune me out and say, you know, I don't need to hear this because I don't need to go to recovery, I want to ask you all a question. Who here thinks they need to go to recovery? Okay, if you raise your hand, it's probably because you're either in recovery or have already been through recovery. Because guess what, guys? Even people that go to recovery don't think they need recovery. I mean, most people end up in recovery because of some outside force. Sometimes people go because they hit rock bottom and they feel like they need to go. But a lot of people end up in recovery because someone else, their wife, their friends, their family, the police, the courts, tell them that they got to go to recovery. So all the, those of you that didn't raise your hands, that's because no one thinks they need to go to recovery. How many people have heard this? I don't have a problem. I can handle it. I can fix this. I can stop anytime I want to. I don't need this. We've all heard that from somebody or from ourselves. But listen, before you tune me out and say, I don't need to hear this. I don't need recovery. I don't need to go to celebrate recovery. I just want to ask you something. And I'm sorry, guys. I walk around a lot, so it's like watching a tennis match. Um <laughs> I want to ask you something. How many people here feel like they always need to be in control? How many people here can't control their anger? They lose their temper. Maybe. How many people here are just unhappy? How many people here just want everybody else to be happy? Right? Everybody wants everybody to be happy, right? Let me ask you this. How many people here are supporting someone else's bad habits? How many people here are supporting other people's bad habits? Enabling another person, just being codependent and trying to support that person to make them what? Happy. How many people here struggle with overeating? How many people here struggle with over-success? Never taking success. When you reach success, what are you looking for? The next thing. I was that guy. The next best thing always leads to guess what? The next best thing. How many people here struggle with worry, anxiety, depression, pornography, drugs, alcohol? The list goes on and on and on and on and on, doesn't it? And I think everyone in this room probably can identify with one of these issues, right? Worry, anxiety, something. I mean, we all worry about the world all the time, right? Well, we shouldn't. We're believers in God. We're believers in Jesus. We really shouldn't worry. But we do. And I say all this to say this. Celebrate Recovery is not only about alcohol and drugs. Yes, it's about those things. There's been a lot of people cured from those terrible things through Celebrate Recovery. But it's not only about those things. It's about all these things. It's about celebrating recovery. The motto of Celebrate Recovery is hurts, habits, and hang-ups. We all have hurts, right? We've all been hurt at some point in our life. And those hurts are going to lead to habits and hang-ups. 
codependency, drugs, alcohol, pornography, depression, worry, anxiety. All those things are going to lead to those, those hurts lead to our coping mechanisms. We all have them. And that's what Celebrate Recovery is about. Who here can tell me the first step in any recovery program, whether it's Celebrate Recovery, Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, who can tell me the first step? Recognize that you have a problem. Absolutely. Well, the first step in Celebrate Recovery is no different. It says, I realize I am not God. I admit I was powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing, and my life had become unmanageable. Well, guys, I got news for you. If you're here today, and you are, obviously. I don't know why I said that. You are here today. And you're here today. You're at church. You've already recognized something in your life that you can't handle. The first step to come into church, most of us end up at church because we know there's something missing in our life. We know we can't get to heaven. We're sad. We're unhappy. We don't understand why this world is the way it is. We go to what? We go to church. Right? So everybody in this room has already taken step one of Celebrate Recovery. But guess what? For a lot of us, it gets worse. If you're saved, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior and you've accepted the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, and that the blood will cover your sins, you've already taken step two and most of step three in Celebrate Recovery. Step three in Celebrate Recovery says, I consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care. All my life and will. If you're already saved, you've already committed your life to Christ. You've already said, my life is Christ's life. God traded Christ for your life. So you've already submitted your life. Now your will is a little harder. Our will is something, my will, is something I have to surrender every second of every minute of every hour of every day for the rest of my life. God gave us free will. And Adam and Eve messed it up. And guess what? We have free will and we mess it up. We choose to do the wrong thing when we know we should do the right thing. We choose the path that we know we shouldn't go down when we know the path that we should go down. God gives us a path, but I don't want to go down that path. I don't want to do what God wants me to do. We all do it, right? I do it. So really, it boils down to, when you really stop and think about it, who was the first recovery minister? God. Right? Why did Jesus come? What was Jesus? He was the first Celebrate Recovery leader. I mean, he led the first Celebrate Recovery because he came to earth to to recover us back to God, right? 2 Corinthians 5.19 says this, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Isn't that recovering us back to him? We're all already in a recovery program. If you go to church and you believe in Christ, you're already in a recovery program, whether you like it or not. But there's no shame in that, right? But a lot of people feel shame if they have to go to a recovery program. And I'm here to tell you today, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. We all have past hurts. And again, those create habits and hang-ups and coping mechanisms to try to fix those hurts. Um, maybe you're here today because God wants you to hear this. Maybe you're here today, you struggle with something, and God wants you to take the next step in recovery. He wants you to go past surrendering your life 
and move to surrendering your will. A few weeks ago, I was listening to a very non-Christian comedian, uh, Christopher Titus. I don't know if any of y'all know him. He's a pretty funny guy. And it was on YouTube, and I was listening to him. And he was talking about, he, he did a really great analogy of life and how my life is and how all our lives are on this earth. And he was talking about that he had just recently, or he'd had some children, they were getting older, and he was his analogy was this, that he was going to dent his kids. And there's a lot of us feel that way. I'm going to dent my son. I know I am. There's things I'm going to do. I'm going to lose my temper when he does something wrong. And what is that going to do? That's going to teach him that when something happens, lose your temper. We're going to dent our children. You know, when he said that, I just thought to myself, God, you know, the world is one big Friday afternoon's downtown Atlanta traffic jam of crashes and dents just waiting to happen. We're going to run into people. People are going to run into us. Amen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I kind of took this and was thinking about it, and God sort of put on my heart that, you know, some of us are going to be born into a family that's functioning as much as they can, and we're going to get through life with just a few scratches and some door dings and you know, our car is going to stay in the garage a lot, so we're not going to have to, you know, it's not going to get all beat up. You know, some of us, you know, are going to get hit by a shopping cart in the public shopping center. Some of us are going to back into a big green transformer box at the sea house and put a big dent in it, have a nice little green mark on their bumper. I'm not going to say who did that. All I know is we had to put poles around it to keep me and others from running into that big green transformer box. You know, and occasionally, believe it or not, guys, we're going to crash into other people. Whenever there's a car wreck, there's two parties involved. It's like life. Any time that we are in a relationship with another person, there's a chance that they're going to dent us. Whether it's our families, our mothers, our fathers, our sisters, our brothers, our relationships, our friends, our high school friends, our college friends, our adult friends. They're going to dent us up. And we're going to dent them up. And we're going to create... Issues in their life, just like they create issues in ours. Some good, some bad. The problem is, not that we're going to get dented, but the problem is how we fix those dents. I can get a big dent in my truck. I can go to Walmart. I can buy a can of Bondo. Everybody knows what Bondo is. I can fill that dent up with Bondo. I can get it nice and flat. I can plane it off with a nice flat piece of sandpaper on a board. I can really make it look nice. And then I can paint over it with a fresh coat of paint. And on the outside, that dent is gone, right? If you walk up to my truck, you can't see that dent. But inside, that dent is still there. And that dent can't be removed by just filling it or covering it up with something. It can't be fixed just by putting some duct tape on it, as much as we all think it can. And that's how kind of, that's kind of how most of us get through life. Most of us get through life just bondoing over and putting a fresh coat of paint. I mean, how many people have come to church? Somebody walk up to them and say, how was your week? And you're like, great! Well, I lost my job. You know, I can't pay my bills. But it was great! Because we don't want to, we don't want to be truthful. 
You know, if I say, and I've told Rod this in some of the meetings when we've talked about kicking off Celebrate Recovery, if every church ran like a recovery ministry, there would be no need for recovery ministries. If we could come into this church and it's a safe place where we could just tell everybody what we did wrong and, and what we've done and what we've done in our life, we wouldn't need a recovery ministry. But it's hiding it. It's covering that den up with Bondo and putting fresh coat of paint on it and coming in and saying, this oh, it's great. Everything's great. I love to watch those car shows on TV, like Fast and Loud. Who here likes Fast and Loud? It's a good show. And it always amazes me that they can take these rusty, dented, piece of junk cars and by the end of the show, what, those cars look better than they did when they were brand new coming off the showroom floor. I mean, it's an amazing, amazing thing. But have you ever noticed that when they get the car that looks good on the outside and all the guys walk up to it and they go, man, that's a nice-looking car. We don't got a lot to do. That's the one that winds up having more Bondo in the, in the fenders than it has metal. Or the floor pan, there isn't one. They just carpet it over it and you kind of keep your feet over the carpet. Or the motor's blown up or the transmission doesn't work. Our lives are a lot like that car. Our lives are a lot like that. I'm here to tell you today that God can fix those cars just like they fix those cars on those TV shows. He can fix your life just like he does that. But he, the only way he can do that is to remove those old torn up, rusty, dented up parts. All the parts in our lives that we've gotten, all the hurts that we've had that have caused these dents and these scratches. Sometimes the hurts that we've caused to others. I mean, many times I, I, I feel like that that really would drive me a lot of my hurts is when I hurt someone else and I feel bad about it and of course then I, create, then I create a coping mechanism to not feel bad about it. Jesus said in, in, in John 15 2 talking about God that he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will so that it will bear even more or be even more fruitful. Just like those car shows, God can cut these parts out of our lives. He can cut these pieces out of our lives and he can replace them with new parts. Not just bondo over it, not just paint over it and pretend like it didn't happen. Just like those old rusty old dented up piece of junk cars that look better leaving the garage than they did when they left the showroom however many, 50, 60 years ago. This is what Jesus can do in my life and what Jesus has done in my life and what Jesus can do in your life. But we have to let him, right? We have to let him, right? If we continue to patch those hurts with old habits and old coping mechanisms and we never go past that point, if we never go past getting Bondo and paint, making everything look good, then we will not get any better. Those dents will still be inside that car. When you look in from the back side, those dents are still there, right? Those scratches are still under that fresh coat of paint. If we continue to use those old coping mechanisms that we've always used, or if we continue to isolate ourselves, how many people here isolate themselves? I know I do sometimes. 
I'm sure there's a lot of people in here that when they're depressed, they isolate themselves, which makes them more depressed. So they isolate themselves, which makes them more depressed. And you can never get out of that. And people will call and say, hey, let's go do something. But you know what? They don't go, do they? I mean, how many people here have known someone that was depressed and they just stay at home and you beg them to go do something? They won't leave. They don't want to get out of their comfort zone. As crazy as that sounds. Again, Jesus can make us a different creation. He can cut off these old parts. He can make us a, a different person. Um, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation, or the new creation has come, or they are a new creation in some translations. And that's what God can do. He can make you new again. He can make you like you were before you got all dented up and crashed up. And I know there's some people in here, I know I've been here in my life, where, you know what, my car was not even a car anymore. It was one of those big, square, clumped-up things that they crush at the, at the junkyard. You know, it, it, there was no, it was not even recognizable as a car anymore. Or that's how I felt. But I'm here to tell you, there's never been a better body shop guy than God. God can take you. He will pull the parts out of you that are good. And guys, I'm going to tell you, no matter how much you're hurting today, if you're hurting or if you're struggling with something or how you feel about yourself, there are good parts in you. And God knows that. When you go through a recovery program, you have to list all the people you've hurt and all the bad things you've done. But you also have to list all the good things you've done. Because guess what? We've all done some good things. And God knows that. And God will use those parts. God will identify those parts. But you have to surrender your will. We can't get fixed if we don't go and, and accept. We can't get saved and we can't get fixed. Rod talked last Sunday about surrendering your will. And that we could not experience the life on this earth that God has for us unless we surrender our will. We can surrender our life and experience the life after death through eternity that God has for us. We can. All we have to do is say, yes, I believe. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And we get to experience eternity with God. God can fix that without us surrendering our will. But he cannot make our life better on this earth unless we surrender our will to him. If you think your life is too wrecked or your clump of car is too messed up, I want you to think about all the people that Jesus recovered in the Bible. He healed the blind. He made the blind see. He healed lepers. He brought back a guy from the dead. I mean, that's pretty messed up. But if you really want an example, just think about the, the thief on the cross right beside him. This guy was being crucified. It's like going to the electric chair or being injected or whatever they do this day and time. That's what crucifixion was about. This was a bad person. They call him a thief. But the reality is he had to do some pretty bad stuff to be being crucified next to Jesus. 
In Luke 23, 42 through 43, the thief said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Did not Jesus recover the thief that was being crucified with him to heaven? Did he not get to go to paradise, even though he'd had a terrible life here? So no matter where you are, God can recover you through Jesus. Jesus died for everybody, no matter how good or bad we think we are. Everyone in this room can be recovered back to God through Jesus. No matter how dented up and rusty you may feel about your life. But again, you have to surrender your will. I'm going back to step three in recovery because will, the will is the hard part. The thief had to surrender his will. He had to believe that the man being crucified beside him was God in the flesh. He had to surrender his will in order for him to surrender his life. His life was a messed up big clump of a car. You know, all you can do is melt it down and make a new car. Step three again was you consciously choose to commit all your life and will to Christ's care. God and Jesus can make a new creation just like Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians 5.17. But you and I both have to surrender our will every day, every minute of every day. We cannot live the life that God wants us to live unless we surrender our will. Is that easy? No. You know, I want, I want this, but God doesn't want to give me that. Well, maybe God doesn't want me to have this because he knows it's not good for me. He knows this is going to lead me down that path of always wanting the next best thing. Doing without it is going to lead me down a path where I'm facing God and trying to go towards God. If you don't think Jesus can save you, if you don't, if you're here today and you're not saved, or if you're here today and you're saved and you're doubting whether Jesus could save you, all the things you've done, the life you've lived, the way you are, the thoughts you have, if you don't think Jesus can save you, I want you to think about this. Jesus saved Paul. God saved Paul. Paul basically wrote the, a significant portion of the New Testament and was one of the greatest missionaries that ever lived. But what was Paul doing right before he was saved? No. He was hunting down the followers of Christ and killing them. Paul was a murderer. If Jesus can save Paul, a guy that was murdering his very followers, I mean, Paul would come in this room and, and take me and have me stoned to death out in the parking lot. Jesus came to him and saved him and made him a different person. He created a new Paul, so much so that actually his name was Saul, I'm not mistaken, and God changed his name because he was a new creation in Christ. If God and Jesus can save him, he can save anybody in this room, I promise. Because you know what? When we compare ourselves to other people, what do we always say? Well, I'm a pretty good guy. I've never murdered anybody. I mean, how many people in here have said that? 
I've said it. I'm a good guy. I never murdered anybody. Well, Paul did murder people. He wasn't a good guy. Not in God's eyes, but God saved him and used him to bring us here today. If you've already taken that first step and you're saved, you've already, you've, you've already taken step one and celebrate recovery. And you've already taken part of step three and celebrate recovery. You've surrendered your life to Jesus. Your life is now in Jesus' hands. That's how you're going to get to heaven. He has the tickets. He's going to give you a ticket, and you're going to go to heaven because of Jesus. Yes. But if you haven't surrendered your will or you don't surrender your will, you can't experience the life here on earth that God wants you to experience. God wants to cut out all these old dented up rusty parts. He wants to take that car that sat out in a field for the last 40 years and it's just rusted away. And he wants to make it new and better than it was when it was born. When you were born. But those cars can't get looking like that unless they go to the garage. And to me, that's what Celebrate Recovery is. It's the garage to fix those dents, those hurts, those habits. That's what Celebrate Recovery is all about. But let me ask you something. On those TV shows, on Fast and Loud, do those cars just instantaneously get looking brand new? No, it's only through a lot of patience, hard work, and skill and perseverance that those cars get looking brand new. It's only through that time frame. I mean, how many people here have seen the Fast and Loud where they rebuild the Ferrari? I mean, that car was totaled. A million-dollar car was totaled. They built that car back to as good as it was to factory Ferrari standards. God can do that in your life. He's done things in my life to fix problems and hurts and habits that I have, and he's still working on me. It's a work in progress. There's a lot of assembly required, not some. Through God's power and through Celebrate Recovery, I believe that God can heal no matter everything in your life, no matter what. It's not going to be easy. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's easy, but he can heal it. I went through a 12-step program, and I used to joke around that I wanted my gold watch. I wanted to be done. I wanted to be well. Well, you know what happened on the last day of my 12-step program? I got a little metal chip, and the next Sunday, I started on my second 12-step program. Because through the first 12-step program, I identified about 20 other things that were wrong with me. And there's no shame in that, because we're all messed up. We're all dented. But if you're afraid of what people are going to say, if you're afraid to come to Celebrate Recovery because what people are going to think about you, I just want to stress this to you. We're going to meet on Monday nights at 6 o'clock. And I'm going to tell you, it is a safe place. And what I mean by that is what is said at Celebrate Recovery will stay at Celebrate Recovery. There's a good friend of mine that's here today, and he always says this, and this is something I always say. You can say you were there, but you can't say I was there. And that's the way Celebrate Recovery is. Now, eventually, hopefully, you get to a point where, you know what, you don't care. And there's people in this room, I know I was, where I didn't care if everybody knew that I went to celebrate recovery. 
Because once I got there and realized that I needed to go to recovery for certain things in my life, you know what? I didn't really care what those people thought because I saw God changing me. I saw God changing my life because I surrendered my will. If you're interested in coming to celebrate recovery on the back of your connection card, there's a box. You can check celebrate recovery and we'll get the leaders of celebrate recovery will get in touch with you. If you're if you're if you're too embarrassed to check that box, that's fine. That's fine. Email Rod or email the church and I'll get in touch with you. Or see me after this service. Or you know what? Don't check a box. Don't call anybody. Don't email anybody. Don't do anything. You don't have to tell anybody. Just show up. It's 6 o'clock a week from this Monday. I'm going to close this message a little differently than I would normally, than we normally close messages here at Crossroads Church. Normally we close by someone praying with, for you. Everybody's heads are down and their eyes are closed and we're praying. I am going to stress that if you're not saved and you're here today, Take that first step. It's a wonderful step. It's an easy step. And God wants you to be saved. He did not sacrifice his son for you not to be saved. If God's in your heart and you're struggling with something, take the next step. Show up on Monday night. But I'm going to close this a little differently than we normally do. And we're all going to say the serenity prayer. It will be on the screens behind you. And as you as you say the serenity prayer... I want you to listen to the words as you say it. And if God in your mind or in your heart is saying something to you, please don't just paint over, don't just bondo over it and paint, repaint it. Let's work that dent out. Let's let God work that dent out. The leadership of Celebrate Recovery really would love to have you there and we would love to work those dents out with you because we've been there. And that's why, that's why I stand here today. If everybody would please stand, we're going to say the serenity prayer. And this is the way we end every Celebrate Recovery large group meeting. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, Enjoying one moment at a time. Accepting hardships as the pathway to peace. Taking as Jesus did, this simple world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will. So that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen.